Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Joe McGranahan. Thank you, and welcome back on board On the Mark after our uh, Memorial Holiday weekend break yesterday. Mark Lawrence is taking a couple of days off, so with me today is Steve Kushaloff. Steve, good morning, sir. You looking well? Good morning. Well, thank you, Joe, and, and you as well. Well, that's very kind of you to say, sir. And our producer is Lynn Hall who always looks good. Good morning, Lynn. Good to have you on board over there this morning. On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company, a family-owned dealership since 1915. 4th Street in Sunbury and the Kia dealership on routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Find out more about them at www.sunburymotors.com. They invite you to visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury where they specialize in all types of service on vehicles, state inspection and nitrogen for tires. They're open Monday through Friday, 6 30 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday 6:30 a.m. till 2 p.m. The Sunbury Motor Company sells Ford, Hyundai, and Kia vehicles. They are a premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks, including all sizes of trucks. They have a large truck shop, parts department, body shop, alignment shop, and a repair garage for all types of vehicles. And they're a master towing service with decades of experience. So be sure to check them out. The Sunbury Motor Company, www.sunburymotors.com. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and on North 4th Street in Sunbury. Remember, SMC, selling more cars, servicing more customers since 1915. Well, Steve, did you have a good holiday weekend? Uh, yeah, I was uh, out on the golf course, so I don't know if that's good or not, but that's where I spent some time and then got together with some people yesterday. That was very nice. Um didn't didn't watch a lot of news. In fact, it always seems over the holidays there isn't a, a heck of a lot of news. Of course, the big question now is, uh, are, do we have a debt ceiling deal, and uh, is that deal going to be passed? Well, that's a very good question, because if you listen to President Biden, he's fairly confident. But I saw this morning uh, when I was switching around between the news networks uh, on Fox, they had a congressman, Republican congressman, who says that the, that, uh, the House Speaker caved to the Democrats and of he course. can't support the bill. And I found it was interesting. When I switched over to Morning Joe, they were talking about how these insane right-wing Republicans were opposing the bill. They're dropping apocalyptic bombs about it. And then he said, and then there are some on the far left who have some reservations. Sure, sure. So in other words, the conservatives are the crazy people who are predicting the apocalypse, and the people on the far left, they just have a few concerns. Well, whatever. I think, uh, I don't know. But it, the one comment that I had heard was um, that there are going to be, uh, on the fringes of both sides, uh, there are going to be those who are uh, very upset with the bill, and um, 
the feeling was that the majority within both parties in, in the House would support it. Um, apparently, though, it's got to get through the Rules Committee, which in the House. Right, and the Rules Committee chairman is one of the people who's not exactly in favor of it. Right, and the rule So whether he'll tough. let it out of committee becomes another important question. Yeah. Um, and the thing that's sort of interesting, though, is that the public in general doesn't seem to even to be paying attention to this whole matter and even the even the stock market is not going ballistic over it well, should you go ballistic over it? I mean, as we had, I think, Steve Portnoy on from CBS last week, and I asked him, says, isn't this a self-made problem? And he said, yes, definitely it's self-made. We don't, in other words, when, when Congress enacted a debt limit, what was the purpose of that debt limit? First, obviously, it was to stop the debt from increasing. But also, I think their intent was to have some time for reflection about whether or not the country was on the right economic path that we needed to keep increasing our deficit over and over and over again. Why do we need to keep increasing our deficit? Now, you're from the left, and you're a spend and spend and spend type person. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that little chuckle. Yeah, just call me old Steve Tax and Spend. Well, yeah, you are. I mean, let's face it. I always say the Democrats are tax and spend, the Republicans are borrow and spend. But well, there's always the end spend part on the end. Be that as it may, um, you know, we do have, the federal government does have certain uh, obligations. And, uh, you know, we've got all these uh, treasury bills. You know, people have invested in treasury bills. Those people need to be uh, repaid. Uh, one of the easiest things to look at is Social Security. Now, you're going to tell people that, uh, sorry, well, you're not going to be getting a Social Security uh, check this month because we need to save. And, you know, I did hear you on the uh, on the air a week or so ago, and you, and you seem to have... No problem at the time in linking the idea of cost savings with the debt ceiling, uh, putting them together. And, um, you know, Joe. I don't. But we should remind people that our, we have an open phone today. It's 570 743 9565. That's our number. 570 743 9565. Email us at on the mark at or text us at 70236. Listen, I am in favor of debt reduction, you know, sure, and, and I think. Everybody is. Well, are they? Who's willing to take the tough steps? Name me one politician in Washington that's willing to say, we need to pull our belt tighter and we need to cut this deficit down. You know, Joe, it, it, it may be one of those things where everybody only pays lip service to it, but still in all, at least they're paying lip service. But to couple the debt ceiling with cost savings is is a big mistake. Let me Why? give you an example. Why is it a big mistake? I'm going to give you an example that I think even you will understand. Oh, thank you for that condescending Abs remark. <laughs> yes, that's me. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me something that even I will understand. Right, and, and pay close attention. I so, am. Uh, okay. Every word. So you go and you buy a, a new car, and uh, chances are you're going to tell you'll tell the dealer or the bank that gives you the loan. I will I will pay this back on a monthly basis. Every month I will give you X amount of money. And then after a couple of months, you say to the dealer, Mr. Dealer or Mr. Banker, you know, my wife and I are trying to save money. So we're not going to send you 
uh, a check every month. We're just going to send you a check every two months. Mm -hmm. No, you can't do that, Joe. You obligated yourself. You signed a contract. You're going to pay that car with a check every month until it's paid off. But that's not the Democratic philosophy. Well, the Democratic philosophy is if you borrowed money for something and you can't afford to pay it back, we're going to forgive your loans, just like the college deficit. Well, college, isn't know, it? It's, it's the same thing, Steve. you got to admit that. You're arguing both sides. You're you know, saying that the not, college buyback Joe, was a good if, deal? If I'm Mr. Condescending, then you are Mr. <laughs> conflation. And I mean, to take an issue, like we could talk about the whole student loan thing, but to take that whole student loan thing and now try to mix it together with the debt ceiling. Let's stick to the No, basics. no, I was talking about the basic issue. You're saying that I can't, I made a, signed a contract, I agreed to borrow the money, I agreed to pay it back. Same thing with the college loan students. They borrowed the money, they signed the agreement, they agreed to pay it back. That's exactly the point. But Fine. you're saying and in one instance it's good and the other instance Joe, it's bad. like I said, we could talk about that. The thing is, when you, when you have an obligation... You you pay it back. If, right. you, if you need to save money, you do that. You can do your best to do that also. But you don't go to the dealer for your car and say, I'm trying to save money. I'm not going to pay. Because I'll tell you, even in the well, student loan thing, Joe, it's not the kids that took out the money who are saying to the lender, I'm not going to pay you back. It's, it's Joe Biden who's saying... I think this is a severe burden on these young people, so I'm going to take steps so you don't have to pay all of it back, because they're not getting rid of all of it. But see, that's a whole different thing. That's not the borrower who is saying, I'm not going to pay you back. The borrower can't do that. The borrower's got to say... I so the government steps in and says, well, you don't have to pay them back, borrower, but we're just going to forgive the amount of money that you borrowed. Well, but that doesn't necessarily right. happen. But I'm not certain that I understand why that has anything to do with the debt limit. The debt limit is whether or not we continue to expend amounts of money beyond our ability to pay for it. If we had the ability to pay for what we were buying, we wouldn't have a national deficit. Why would we have one? If we could afford, if our taxes coming in. So on the Republican side, you say, we need to cut the taxes. On the Democratic side, we need to increase spending. So that's a recipe for never getting this issue solved. The only way it's ever going to be solved is if we say, we're going to raise taxes enough that we're going to be able to pay it off, and we're going to cut expenses enough to help in that effort. Right. And it's going to involve both parties coming together and saying, oh, sure. we can't keep going the way we're going. And it seems to me the only president who ever managed to come close to that might have been Bill Clinton. It was Bill Clinton. It was the last time we had a balanced budget. It may have been smoke and mirrors, but it was there. Mike from Bloomsburg, you're on the mark. Yeah. Now, I'm going to have to admit that I haven't been paying a lot of attention to the uh, this budget fiasco, <clears throat> but I just was listening to it on the TV this morning, and I got to thinking. And again, I'm, a, I'm off, often accused of being a simplistic man who doesn't know much. But I, Mary Jean, my wife, came down and uh, I said, hey, honey, who takes care of our money better than we do? And she said, nobody. I said, that's right. And I said, we go up to the next level, to my township level. Do they take care of my money better than me? No. How about my school district? No. Then you go down to the county level. Them boys and girls down there, do you think they waste money? Yeah, they do. And then you go, oh, I think it was just a million dollars on the front page of our paper they blew. 
But but that wasn't our money. That was a grant from, uh, I don't know, one of these things that comes down from the federal government. So then you go to the congressional district. They waste it. Then every level you go up, the waste gets worse. And that is what needs to be fixed, the waste. We just spend money because we can at that level. Well, you've got a great and point there. That is the thing. Pardon me? I said you have a great point there because one of the things that they agreed to in this debt limit or limiting discussion was calling back some billions of dollars of unspent money from uh, the COVID uh, pandemic funds, and w- which begs the question, why was it enacted at all? If they didn't have any idea that it was needed, why would you approve it? Well, let, let's not even go back to that point. Let's just say, hey, we didn't use it. That means it wasn't needed, so let's take it back. But no, you try to take that money back, and now you want to starve women and children. You want to make people sleep on the streets. You want people not to be able to get uh, addiction care because you're evil, and you want them to die so you can give tax cuts to your rich. That is the message. I, I'm telling you what, I listen to the TV just a little bit, uh, and I listen to the radio just a little bit, and all I know is if I listen to that crap all the time, I would hate me because I'm a terrible person because I want accountability. And, and that, that, I mean, that's just a fact. I have people calling me a racist, a threat to democracy, and then they say, hey, why don't you look at my profile picture, and why don't you look at the pictures on my Facebook? I know you do. Now, does that, does that, am I a white nationalist? Come on now. But anyway, I want accountability. If we start with accountability, I think we can win this battle. But if we just paper over it, guess what? We're going to be in the same position next year, well, the year after that, until the rest of the world gives up on the dollar, and then we'll really pay the price. Who are we going to blame then? Mike, we have no we, one to blame but ourselves. Mike, who are we going to hold accountable, and how? Well, we, we try to do that at the ballot box, okay? But we saw what happened when we elected Joe Biden, when all you have to do is, you know, smear the other party, go around and collect as many ballots as you can, and uh, get as many people registered and, and, and have a mail-in that you don't have to do anything, pay any attention. You just have to listen to say, hey, if you elect the Republicans, you're going to die. Well, good point. Good point. That's all I got. That's my rant for the day. Okay. But I'll tell you what, I believe in that rant, there's a silver bullet. The problem isn't Joe taxpayer, Mike taxpayer, Mary Jean taxpayer. The problem is the people spending the money. And right now, the big fight, from what I understand, is the fact that the amount of money that we're spending on defense isn't even up to inflation. Now, the people that are the hawks, they're going to say, hey, you know what? We, we need to spend more money. And the people that say, well, there's so much waste. Well, why don't you do something about the waste at all levels? Why do you only care about the waste at the defense? But as far as I'm concerned, Again, I'm not a military expert, and I don't know what the heck happened with these uh, Chinese balloons flying over our country, and we didn't do anything until the balloons were, you know, off off the shores so we could shoot it down. Uh, and, you know, and again, I don't think we would have shot it down if we would have never heard about it. You know, the public, if the if the uh, citizens didn't spot these things, we would have never known about it. Uh, this would, it would have been another flyover, and how many more would there have been yeah. since then? Fair enough. I mean, China China is playing for real, okay? They are playing for real. They are, th- their mind is this. They want to rule the world. Okay. Now, I don't think that's the gov- our government's position. We don't want to rule the world. Mike, we got to take a break. we got to move on. Okay. Let you give your final hey. thought, and then we'll go. 
I think we need to get our crap together because if we don't, we're just kicking the can down the road and it's just going to get worse and worse. We need accountability. People need to step up, start paying attention, even more than I do. I have to pay more attention. And we need to elect people that make sense, not the ones that just want to spend money and pass out stuff. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your call, as always. 570-743-9565. That's 570-743-9565. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com or text us at 70236. Be sure to include the keyword OTM at the start of your text. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. out of auto repair. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan. With me is Steve Kushaloff, and on the phone is Joe from Sunbury. Joe, you're on the mark. Oh, okay. Uh, good morning, man. Uh, Steve gave that. Uh scenario where he used you, Joe, or your family as uh, paying back the student loan, I think it was, or Carlin. something, or Carlin. the national debt, I think, or whatever, where he said that you would go to the car company and get a loan for the car, and then you wouldn't, you would go, you, our, our, me and my wife want to save some money, so you go to the car dealer or the bank and say that you're not going to pay the loan. Well, taking Joe's name out of it, I don't think that's what responsible... Americans do. That makes no sense to me that he would use it that way. What you would do is you would sit around the table and say, I owe this for the bank, I owe this for my light bill, I owe this, but here's where I can cut. Here's where I can cut, like going out to eat or going to the movies. And then you cut from your own personal self rather than cut from somebody else who has paid the taxes or where you're you're giving away something so I, I don't see steve's example there is how americans see the example that he I was trying to Joe, put forth do you see I, what i'm saying i didn't really think it through but when I, I he said he, it that didn't make no sense to me that oh. you would sit around the table and say i'm not paying what i owe i'm going to cut back on what i have as luxuries for me because i haven't managed my budget correctly i'm gonna help my or not diminish or diminish myself rather than the promise that I made to the bank you you missed my entire point thank you okay I'll Speak try. slowly like Mark does for me okay I'll try okay. well his point was he needed something that even I would understand yeah. Joe well, I, I remember I that part right. too so I'm, just... I'm uh, Joe also so speak slowly yeah but see not all Joes are the same I mean I know this guy but oh here's here's my point. When you take on an obligation, a respond, you know, you go to the dealer, you get the car, you say, Mr. Dealer, 
I'm going to pay you back X amount of money. Uh, I'm gonna, right, anyway. I understand that. Right. We can move fast. Cause. Okay, I can talk faster. Okay, <laughs> so you can't. After you agree that you're going to pay back this car loan, you can't go back to the dealer and say, you know what, we have to save. I'm not going to pay you back every month. Maybe I'll pay you back every other month. You cannot do that. Okay, we agree on that. Good. What you do is exactly what you're saying. You sit down with your spouse and you say, well, here's what we can't cut. We can't cut the house payment. We can't cut the... No, but it's the luxuries, I'm saying. Yes. You're missing my point. No, no, you're right. You are exactly right. That's where you... But then how can you agree with Joe Biden to give back the student loan debt when that's your debt? You look and you set that aside on your kitchen table, that's one of the things that goes along with the car payment. Okay. One of the few. The, the, and what I said there was the, the people who borrowed the money for the oh, student yeah. loans, they cannot go to the bank. They can't go back right. to the lender. But So you have one person. But, but you got Unduly elected. And and he may not get it. You know, this whole uh, student loan uh, forgiveness thing is is in the Supreme is in the Supreme Court. Right. And they're going to decide whether or not it can happen. So, uh, you know, now, Joe McGranahan, he said, well, that's the same thing as going to the dealership, the, the auto dealership. I said, it isn't exactly the same because with that. The person who borrowed the money to go to college, they cannot go to the lender and say, I'm not paying you back. Okay, are you okay with the government erasing those? Or not? You don't erase them because that would be that the school didn't get there. You're, you're just putting the uh, payment on to someone else in the uh, government scenario now. That's why it's going to go to court and it'll be right. thrown out. It won't be upheld that you can... Well, we'll see. And I'll pay your loan. If that's the American way, uh, we are sliding into socialism. But the other thing is, it's not total forgiveness anyway. The way I think it is, uh, for certain... Now you're talking uh, some details that... uh, Right. But but both of you are ignoring the fact that what we really need is a concerted effort on the part of Congress and the President to sit down and come up with ways to cut the budget. Sure. The Democrats even object to putting work requirements for getting some kind of, of, of federal assistance. Why? If someone is able to work, why? Why shouldn't they be compelled to work oh, in order they, to get if those benefits? Able to work, you, Joe. There's there's differences of opinion about that, and you know, they are, the left is just adamant that they don't okay. want any work restrictions or Wait, requirements who, on who, people. Who is adamant? The left. The left. The I far know, left. Right, gonna, well, maybe the far left. Well, the left. Okay. Uh, Bernie, your buddy Bernie. Let me ask you this: If you're if you are a social security recipient, do you think you should have, you there should be re- work requirements for? Yes, there already are. I did it all my life, and I paid into it, and I now get the money back. Uh, Joe, there you go. Joe. It's I'm already saying, done, Steve. It's already Joe, done. Right. And <laughs> yeah, there were people yeah, they, the, who, Joe, the socialists like to bring that up. You know, Joe, is, you yeah, get a social somehow security. that's a gift. You're getting a social security check every month. You don't think you should have to work? Now, you're right. See, I have to pay taxes on it. Did, I have to pay did, taxes. He did work. And the whole point is, yes, you did work. So that got uh, that was, uh, that was got taken out of the equation. But with oh. Medicaid, now, okay, now Medicaid relates to uh Well, to well we're forgetting Joe here. Uh, Joe, yeah, because yeah, uh, I'm heading out the door. But uh, <laughs> I just wanted to call about 
the way Steve sees that this forgiveness, if he's okay with the government uh, taking uh, loans, as he says, like a car dealer, and then pushing it on to somebody else because the government says, well, we don't want to hold down these young people from buying houses and cars, uh, but well, they'll... If I do this for them, they'll vote for me next round. Well, so gonna, okay. he doesn't mind that. Well, they already they, they already bought an education they don't want to pay for. So right. why should we assume that they would want to pay for their house or their car when exactly. they make a loan? But Steve Steve lives in uh, Marktopia, I think, with him. Well, he's the mayor actually. There, he was elected he's mayor of Marktopia. Mayor, uh, <laughs> how about uh, how about how about first time home buyer programs? There are first time home buyer programs. And, and, but how is that any different than what we're talking about with the because they they help things. They give people a hand up, not a hand out. What's you, oh, Joe, that's just something. You people on the left, a, all you want to do is hand right. out oh, instead I of give people a hand up. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Joe, thanks for your call. Right, we're we appreciate off to a good start. It. Take care, man. Steve uh, <laughs> pinned down a little bit on some of his uh, un-American beliefs here. Un-American. All right. Uh, have a good day, We're everybody. taking his shoes Beautiful. off and holding his feet to the fire right now. Uh, all right. Listen, just because you can come up with some a clever statement like hand up versus hand out doesn't mean you're right, Joe, because you're wrong. Because when the, you know when, when we're talking about the government coming to anybody's aid, and one of those could be in a first-time homebuyer program, I would think as a as a rock Republican, you'd say, no siree, Bob, the government has no place helping you to buy that house. If you can't afford it, that's Have you ever heard of the bad. FHA? I mean, you're, you're talking about a ship that has sailed years and years well, ago. Doesn't matter, Joe. It's a, you know, and no one's talking about cutting the FHA out. They talk about, oh, we got to cut Social Security, we got to cut Medicare, but nobody says and, cut the FHA. Uh, and let's and even Medicare. I mean, how, and and Medicaid. I mean, why don't we just get rid of all these uh, all right, well, government Steve, programs? How much? How did? How are they funded? They are funded by all of us paying for somebody else for a service we don't need or we can't require or we can't and, benefit and from. The point is, and even some of our callers have already made this, all of this stuff is paid by somebody else. You know, when, No, when it's a, paid by all of us. When a, when Everybody who's a taxpayer. A, what happens when somebody declares bankruptcy and all their debts are just kind of wiped off? Who's paying for all those debts? You know, you know. I just love it how you guys. Well, I'll uh, you tell guys, you who's paying for those. Let me answer your question. The person who files bankruptcy that follows them all their life and their records. It makes it harder for them to get any kind of a loan that isn't at exorbitant interest rates. It makes it impossible for them to do so many different things, and yet it's the only way out for some people who have gotten in over their heads. And if you made bad choices, why should I pay for them? Joe, all I'm saying is there are programs. You didn't answer there my are question. Procedures because it's such a kind of an irrelevant question. Why? Uh, if I made bad choices, why yes. should somebody else pay for it? If I made a bad choice to buy a college education that isn't going to produce an income for me, why should someone else be required to pay for that? Uh, that's what I'm asking you. You tell me why. Joe, you went. You, you went. Now you're not answering me. Because you, you know, you you take this idea of bad choices. I went to college and I majored in communications. Mm-hmm. I was in broadcasting professionally for maybe four or five years, and then I went on and did other things. How about you? What did you major in in college? History. I studied to be a history teacher. Ah, yeah. Okay. And and how many years did you serve? None. As a, none. I worked my way through in broadcasting and stayed in broadcasting. Okay. So there but, you go. But no. But that's not. That's. I've never asked for my money back because That's I got... what I'm saying. Let me tell you what I got out of that. I learned how to think. I learned how to reason. That's right. That's and so right. if I at least got that out of it, it was worth it to me. Joe, you know, this whole... 
idea about people going to college and studying things and how the heck are you ever going to get a job with that? No, because college, it's like you said, it teaches you how to think. It teaches you how to meet responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. And so... Um, and for that matter, even there are there are also Pell even before uh, government forgiveness of student loans, there are already col uh, college assistance programs out there. Pell grants. Okay, I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is that the government is into so many things where they're buying back or giving to us things that we don't need or that we should be able to provide for ourselves. And the Democrats, all they want to say is General, give more, give know, more, give more. I, I, you win the award for the rhetoric of the morning. I will say that. <laughs> Meaningless, but rhetoric. Gee, thanks a lot. Sure. Maybe if you said it slower, I could understand it better. Hey, we'll take a break, and we'll be back with more of On the Mark at WKOK. I'm Joe McGranahan with Steve Kishelhoff, Lynn Rawls, our producer. And we'll be back after the news on WKOK. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Joe McGranahan. Welcome back to On the Mark. Joe McGranahan with Steve Kushloff. Lynn Hall's our producer, and On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at www.sunburymotors.com. It's an open phone day. Our toll, our toll line is 570-743-9565. That's 570-743-WKOK. Or email us at onthemark at wkok.com. And you can text us, as someone has done, at 70236 using the keyword OTM at the start of your message. On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. They are a family-owned dealership since 1915, selling more cars, satisfying more customers from 4th Street in Sunbury and the Kia dealership on routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Find out more about them at www.sunburymotors.com. What do they sell? Well, they sell Ford, Hyundai, and Kia vehicles, and they are a premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks, including all sizes of trucks. They have a large truck shop, a parts department, a body shop, an alignment shop, and a repair garage for all types of vehicles. And you know what else? They're a master towing service with decades of experience. You can find them on the web again at www.sunburymotors.com. Check out their online specials and build a Ford, Hyundai, or Kia to your precise specifications. The Sunbury Motor Company, selling more cars, satisfying more customers since 1915. Taking a quick look at the news this morning, a $1.3 million bridge painting project begins this week along 220, Route 225 in Dornsife that may cause some traffic disruptions. PennDOT says the project begins today on the Metal Truss Bridge over Mahanoy Creek. The bridge will be reduced to one lane with temporary traffic signals for the duration of the project. The project is expected to be completed by September. The Penn Valley Airport is holding their second annual airport open house on Saturday. The State Police Aviation Unit, Cirrus Aircraft, Angel Flight East, Life Flight, and a vintage DC-3 military aircraft will all be on display. The Penn Valley Pilots Organization says they'll have exhibits, tours, and displays of local aircraft and military transport vehicles. Local pilots will share their experiences in flying. Airplane and helicopter rides will be available along with food trucks. 
This Saturday's Penn Valley Airport Open House will be from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The airport and the airport pilots organization say that all are welcome to visit the airport and take part in the events. And finally, in our news this morning, a Valley woman is a statewide 4-H award winner. The Pennsylvania 4-H says Catherine Shea of Snyder County has officially been announced as the 2023 recipient of the Outstanding Lifetime Award for by Pennsylvania 4-H. The Outstanding Lifetime Volunteer Award recognizes 4-H volunteers who have served for at least 10 years. 2023 recognizes Catherine Shea, who started as an intern and 4-H educator in a neighboring county. She has now been a 4-H volunteer for 17 years and has seen all three of her sons through the program. And that's a quick look at our news headlines this morning. And we're back with our discussion. One of our emailers or texters says this. Uh, let's see, got it up here. It says, uh, what do schools do to pay their bills? They raise taxes on property owners. The government needs to raise taxes to pay our deficit off. Well, now there's a, someone who thinks, again, higher taxes are the answer. Do you agree with that? You know, I was looking up here uh, to see how Bill Clinton did manage to balance the budget uh, back during his presidency. Um, there were some tax increases under Clinton. However, he, apparently here he did cut capital gains taxes, cut capital gains taxes, and reduced spending on Medicare and Medicaid. And uh, plus the economy in general, there was some success there. So it's got to be it's got to be a combination uh, if you're if you're serious. You know, and here's the other thing, Joe, if, if the public, if the American public is serious about wanting to reduce the deficit, then you would think they would accept to some degree, they would accept a mild increase uh, in taxes, but they've got to also see at the same time reduced spending on other things. Okay, so as a liberal Democrat, what would you reduce? Joe, I... You would reduce the military, you would uh, reduce wait, things... Joe, wait, that, that, that you are putting <laughs> words in my mouth. Well, you do I it mean, for me all the time, and I'll say them slowly so you can understand them. Up, that, 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 come on now. That's my zinger. You know, I don't know. I don't know the the, uh, the federal budget. How big is the federal... Is the uh, budget? Like... So many trillions of dollars, okay. it's hard to, so exactly hard to account where for we're gonna Exactly where we're going to cut, I don't know, but... I would imagine if we really tried hard enough, we could uh, we could find the things. And plus, uh, you know, let's talk about uh, revenue. Well, you know, before we go to revenue, let me ask you this. I think what we need to do as a country is decide what our priorities are. What is the most important thing? What are the most important things we have to deal with? Is it military? Is it competing against China? Is it doing, uh, you know, making sure all these immigrants are welcome and have a nice bath and a place to eat? What is our priority? And then how how do we reach that priority? How and do we achieve right. it? And how but you, we haven't done that. How are you even going to decide that? You know, when I hear when I hear people on on television, commentators say we need to have a national conversation on one thing or another, reducing the deficit or a national. No, we don't need conversations. Well, we need know, action. Like, well, okay, you know. Um, because it was under your president, by the way, that we added... And who what, was my right? president? Uh, Donald Trump. Okay. We added uh, about $7 uh, trillion dollars. Uh, and how much do we into, how much under Obama? You got me. Although I was just reading here that Obama, when he had this whole debt ceiling issue, he put out a budget with, with uh, pretty significant cost savings. But Joe Biden hasn't put forth a budget yet. 
and yet we know exactly what he's been looking for because with the, uh, for instance, one of your callers talked about the military. You brought it up also. We're not going to be cut. We're not cutting military spending uh, in in this debt ceiling round. Uh, we're not cutting benefits to veterans. But yet you and everybody else on the left just raised holy hell with Donald Trump when he tried to make our NATO allies pay their fair share of the bills. You know, you know, it seems like people on the left always want somebody else to pay for what Joe, they want. You know, if, and if it wasn't for NATO, I'm not even sure we'd even have a Europe. NATO. Donald, I'm not arguing the benefits of NATO. I'm arguing whether or not the nations who signed an agreement. Now, I'm going back sure. to your argument. Yeah. They signed an agreement saying they would pay 3% of their GNP for defense. How many of them ever did it until Donald Trump held their feet to the fire? I think some of them have, have now done now it. I done will tell it. You now done it. I will tell you this, and I think most people would agree, that if, it was, if Donald Trump were still in office, people in the Ukraine would be speaking. Russian and the Russian flag would be uh, don't buy over that. The don't buy that for a totally, minute. Totally, absolutely. Don't buy it. Van from New Columbia, you're on the mark. Well, what would be wrong with if uh, Russia would take Ukraine back? Who cares? Well, I don't like to see any free country being gobbled up by another aggressor. We've gone that route before, and it hasn't worked out real well for us. Well, well, Russia had that, that you know, those states along there for years when they had their Iron Curtain. Right. And I, I see, you know, we've, last I checked, we've sunk $76.8 billion into Ukraine and what obviously is going to be a losing cause at the end of this thing. Because if, if they would come out and defeat Russia, they still are going to be devastated. And then what are we going to do? We're going to sink more money in to rebuild the infrastructure that's been destroyed. But that's beside the point. I just made that comment because of what Steve said right prior to you took my call. Okay. But the deal is we are $31.8 trillion in debt. Our money, now I ask this to Steve, what's, what's our money based on? What value does our money have? I think it's kind of whatever the government says it is. Exactly. Because it's called a fiat currency. Unlike it, what it used to be years ago when our money was based on gold and silver, where, where it actually had value, for decades now, we have a fiat currency that's worth nothing. And the Federal Reserve Chairman, who is supposedly appointed by our president, but it's really the globalists that put that person in there, they don't answer to the president. You know, it's years ago. Alan Greenspan laughed at a question when when he was asked about was the president his boss, and he laughed out loud because no Federal Reserve chairman takes any commands from the president. They're there; they set the interest rates to control the value of the dollar, the purchasing power of the dollar. But with what's happening, we'll never pay off that debt. They can do smoke and mirrors and have do whatever they pass in Congress. And Bill Clinton he had a balanced budget. That's that's on paper, and you can finagle numbers to mean anything. But our national debt has skyrocketed now to an astronomical number. Where if you figure there's if there was like 330 million people in America, if that's truly the population, each each man, woman, and child in this country would owe like ninety six thousand dollars to pay off the national debt. And the money we sunk into the Ukraine averages. I think it's like $230 per person. That, and where does this money come from? They just, you know, they print money, and there's no accountability. 
you know, Obama started quantitative easing where they printed billions of dollars and flooded it into circulation every month. And they devalued the dollar so much. And now the scary thing is the petrodollar, which the U.S. money is based on the, you know, the, the currency for selling the oil, and that was established back with Saudi Arabia in 1945. But now China is on the verge of possibly taking that over. And if they do, our money that absolutely has no value now and is propped up only because it is the petrodollar, what are we going to do if that is taken away by China? Well, you have to realize, though, Van, that the money is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. As long as we believe in our government, we believe that our money has value. And here's the thing. Our, our government runs by the debt forgiveness of the, the, the globalists, the people that we owe the money to, the rich bankers. They decide, hey, you know what? We're going to let you go and continue on, even though you're $31.8 trillion in debt, and you can't even possibly pay the interest you owe on the money. Now, if that would be an individual, and I don't know how you can put it in comparison, just say I was $10 million in debt, and I would go to my bank and say, you know what, I, you, know, you know I can't pay this, I can't even pay the interest, but will you just allow me to continue to live on my property? They would say, no, no, we're not allowing you to continue in your property. We're, we're going to seize your property. And, and then where would you be after that? Where would I be? If once they've seized your property, where are you going to live? Yeah, I'm not in that situation because I've paid my bills my entire life. I'm well, not. I'm, I'm just asking. I was 35 years of age. Hey, we're and see, I don't worry about that. But where the, the question, Steve, is where is America going to be? You know, one of the where, questions. Where are we at now? I did have a question as you were giving your some of your examples. You mentioned the Federal Reserve. Uh, you said, we don't have any control over the Federal Reserve. Uh, the, the question I have is, okay, tell me this, who's in charge of the uh, United States Supreme Court? Well, I would say the, the justices that are on there. That's right. Me, so, me, okay, the, and now the, federal, only, the only point that I'm making is, uh, you know, don't just point to the Federal Reserve and say that that is an, auto and that's an autonomous <laughs> body. There are other <coughs> autonomous bodies. For instance, well, really, the really Supreme Court. You, Steve. There's, the Federal Reserve is like a guinea pig. A guinea pig isn't a guinea and it isn't a pig. And the Federal Reserve is not controlled by our federal government, and it's not a reserve. It's, it's a, basically an organization that's set there to devalue our money. And that's why if, if and I, I cashed in my retirement from a place I used to work at years ago, and there was a huge penalty I paid. And the, why, why did I have to pay that penalty? Well, because the IRS and the powers that be, they want to regulate and control your money so you really can't get ahead of the game. Van, we'll let you finish up. A last thought, we have to take a break. So go ahead, finish up. The whole thing of it is this country is so far in debt, and there's no hope of us ever getting out of it. And the whole thing with Washington, D.C., and the, the Congress and the president, they're basically putting on a sideshow trying to deceive people into thinking this ever a possibility that we're going to have a balanced budget when they just continually give billions of dollars to Ukraine. They have homeless people in this country. If you go to cities, you will see them everywhere, okay. and even in smaller cities now. So the, the problem here at home is being ignored. They're flooding the borders with people coming into this country. This country is going to fail, and as much as Russia didn't think they were going to fall years ago, the USSR, they did. 
and we're going to go through the same thing, and it's not going to be very easy in this country. Van, we got to go. I'm sorry. We have to take a break now. Uh, you're listening to On the Market, WKOK.com, 570-743-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Text us at 70236. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan along with Steve Kushaloff. Our producer is Lynn Hall, 570-743-9565 is our number. Give us a call at that line or email us at onthemarkatwkok.com or text us at 70236. Harry, you are on the mark. Hey, good morning, guys. First of all, the Supreme Court was set up uh, at the start of our country where it was one of the three legislative, one of the three branches of government. Uh, so it is autonomous. The uh, Federal Reserve became powerful because nobody in government controlled them. The people who should have controlled it did not control them. So that's the big difference there, Steve. And secondly, the uh, the fallacy of the debt forgiveness for somebody who took out a loan for the college for their college education. I don't care if it was the parents, the grandparents. I don't care who it was. You made a commitment. You got the money you pay back the money. It's just the way it goes. Uh, if it was predatory uh, loaning, which probably much of it was, and that's even sadder because a good portion of that came from government uh, institutions, then that, that's a shame, but it still doesn't forgive you of the, of the loans. I mean, all you have to do is look back at the housing bubble when that burst. A lot of those were bad loans given out in bad faith, but still had to be paid back, and if you didn't pay it back, you lost your house. So what, when you make a choice, get a degree, in many cases what's happening is people are getting a degree in a field that they can't find a job in or doesn't pay as much as they thought it would be, and now it's like, oh, I can't pay this back. Please, somebody take care of this for me. And I have another question for you. You think because the president suggested this, it would be fine if... Donald Trump was president and it suggested this, would you have thought it was fine also? Probably. Why not? I find that hard to believe. Okay, but we don't know. You know. Well, and the reason I say that is you and many others who have, uh, who uh, come to Biden's defense about everything would have found fault find fault with everything that Donald Trump did. You don't know that. Everything. You do not know that. Well, I well, think it's all a you safe have to bet. Do is go back and listen to the archives of stuff you say. I mean, well, Donald fine, Trump, we can do that. Under your opinion, was probably the most powerful person in the last two centuries because absolutely everything that was bad that happened was his fault. 
and the man was only there for four years. This bubble has been going on for years because for years and years and years, people pushed to college education, not looking at the fact that there were jobs that could not pay possibly close to what all these right. institutions were gouging people for. Harry, that was not that's that's a whole different ballgame. But you have to pay that back. You committed to pay that back. Can I can I ask you to do something? I want to hear you give me one concrete example, and you could probably do it. Give me one concrete example of somebody you know who studied something, majored in something in college, uh, in a field in which they couldn't get a job and is now uh, in dire financial straits because of that decision. Give me one example. I can, I can give you a couple. I can tell you several people who took uh, criminal justice cases or courses and got their, their degrees and then found out when they went to work for children and youth services that their job was maxing out at about 30 grand a year, which was not even close to what their, their payments are. Now, are they bankrupt? Not yet. But are they living hand to mouth and working two and three jobs? Yes. Okay. Maybe they are. So, but that, again, like you said, no, that no, was no, a- no. The question there wasn't maybe they are. They are. I okay. am telling you, I, you asked me if I knew of somebody. I said yes. Very good. Don't tell me maybe they okay. are. I'm telling you they, they are. are. That's great. Okay. So I got two. I, Joe and I, during one of the commercial breaks, we were talking about what did we study when we were in college. And neither one of us studied what later became the field that we are in. Uh, the only, did you the pay other, back your debt, though? I didn't have any debt. I went okay, to college. When good. I went to college, it was so long ago. It was they were practically giving it away. But that's another issue because I'll give you another example. Uh, my daughter, uh, she studied uh, education, and that did not work out. But uh, she's in a field now where she's doing okay. She did pay back her student loan. But the idea too, it's not forgiveness. We're only we're talking like either 10000 or $20,000. So when you've got a student loan uh, obligation of around $50,000, the government isn't coming along and just forgiving it. Uh, let me give you just one well, other May I ask example. you one question about that? Go ahead. What would you call it if I say, if you owe $25,000 <laughs> and I tell you you don't have to pay 10 of it? What do you call that if it's not forgiveness? I'll call that a helping hand. Okay. Joe, it's not uh, forgiveness. So, so the other hand up uh, rather oh, than here we go out, again. We is got okay, the is okay if it's done in your under your bailiwick, but not if somebody else is not. The simple you know, fact of the matter is, is if you got a hundred thousand dollar loan for a home, and it turns out the house is only seventy five dollars worth of property, are they going to give you twenty five thousand dollars back for that, or should they? No. Okay. So what's the difference on the other end? Go ahead. All I am saying is the government is trying to, or let's just say Joe Biden, is trying to encourage more young people going, pursuing higher education. This is one... Well, we've already proven that, it's a, that they can't pay the debt, that there's not enough jobs that pay for what their degrees will be. But hey, let's just keep force-feeding them into a system that's failing. Right. Okay. And, I got you. And, oh, that's and, good. See, that's what, what, have you, what have you proven? Why, when you put a guy who was so clueless for 48 years into an office that he wouldn't have been qualified for when he was when he was mentally competent, and now we say, oh, well, you know, it'll be different this time. 
Just keep pounding that square peg into a round hole. Just keep doing it, but it'll work. Well, you know, that's just, kind it, of a... You can't, so you, you just can't do this. So you think uh, the people of uh, Delaware made a big mistake by uh, electing him over and over? Boy, well, yeah. I didn't realize the people of Delaware were that stupid. He's saying that well, while he's wearing well, his yeah, hat. Well, over the last 48 years, I would say uh, they proved it. Hey, Harry, he's saying that while wearing a blue Delaware sweatshirt here. That's right. I am. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I, would, I wouldn't care. Uh, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over, it's no different than the people who in Kentucky who keep voting in McConnell or the people in New York who keep voting in Schumer or... Uh, or right. Nadler or all those guys. It doesn't matter. Nope. Hey, thanks, Harry. And, you know, the whole thing comes down to, with the budget, we, in a household, we have a budget. The government has a spending plan. That's all you need to know about why the budgets fail and why there's so much debt. It's not a spending plan. It's a budget. It should be, and a budget implies that you balance everything out. You're right, Harry. Exactly. Hey, thanks for your call. We appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. 570-743-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Text us at 70236. We have a text or an email from Charlie. He says, the Federal Reserve is not independent like the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is a separate but equal branch of the federal government. The Federal Reserve is semi-independent. Congress has oversight of the Fed, and he's absolutely correct. You said they were, someone said they were independent. They aren't. Was that no. you or Van? Somebody said that. Well, what I'm looking at here, by the way, it says the president is responsible for all of the Reserve Bank's activities, including monetary policy, bank supervision and regulation, and payment services. So I don't know about Congress uh, being having oversight over the Federal Reserve. I think maybe the president. But apparently, according to one of our callers, it doesn't matter because it's globalists anyway. That's right where the problem comes from. Globalists. Now, Tom says, I love this one. Tom says, how about $26,000 per employee to employers for TPP? Joe McGranahan, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Free money that taxpayers paid for. Hey, who created that plan? Be that as it may. <laughs> Joe Biden, not, not the Republicans. It, you know, so, Tom, I guess you're now opposed to the Biden administration. <laughs> Once again, it's an example of, uh, and you know, we, we we can't. There are so many words we can't use anymore. We can't use the word liberal, and we certainly can't use the word assistance because TPP was a program of trying to keep people working, keep, trying to keep people working, and let's call it see that's government where, assistance. That's where we have a hand up, not a hand out. Oh, they were trying to keep okay. people working. Well, now, is there a benefit to that? Yes, the benefit to that is, and if Herbert Hoover had recognized this, we probably wouldn't have had such a bad Great Depression. If Herbert Hoover had been able to realize that the keeping people on jobs was beneficial to the country, it would have been a better place to be. Well, thank you so for I don't that, care who yeah. did it. I don't care whether right. it was uh, Don, Donald Trump or whether it was Barack Obama. It was a good idea. Or even Bill, Clinton, uh, our current president, Joe Biden. It's a good idea to keep people working. And if that's what it took to keep people on payrolls, you know, then that's a good idea. Joe, okay, we got to call her. So yes, I got to stop talking. All right, Joseph, you're on the mark. Good morning. I just have a comment that I, I, I'll say my comment, and I would like to hear your discussion on it. One of the, the, the points that hasn't been brought up is all the people like myself who made sacrifices and saved and made sure my children's college was paid for, where's the relief for us? 
and all the sacrifices that we made. Um, transplant from Nashville. First-time caller. Hey, you're out of luck, Joseph. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, he wanted. All right, he's got. He asked a good question. He asked a brief question, but a good question. Where is all the relief for those of us who foot the bills day in and day out, pay our taxes, you know, contribute to the federal government? We we don't have a say in what get where this gets spent, except by electing people to Congress who tell us one thing and then do another. What do you need relief? Do I need relief? What well, kind of relief are we talking about? Well, the relief that comes with being able to spend the money that I earned in my lifetime. I have no problem spending the money that I have earned in my lifetime. Well, you begrudge me my Social Security check. You I say did, that I didn't I pay for it. I did not, Joe. When there was talk about work requirements uh, as this debt ceiling thing, somewhere I did see that there was even talk about imposing work requirements for Social Security. Now, fortunately, I, I looked and I looked and I could not no, find nobody, anything to back Social that up. Security is based on the fact that you did work, not the fact that you have to keep going. But it is taxable. But I think I think what our caller Joseph uh, asked is a valid question. What kind of relief do we get? And I think the only kind of relief we have a right to ask for is that our tax dollars are not wasted and they're not spent on things that don't produce a return. And for example, a few years ago, there was a, who was that guy? Uh, was a former senator. He had awards for stupid government spending. Oh, I sort of I can't remember. remember can't remember about. his name. But one of them was a shrimp on a treadmill, watching shrimp run on a treadmill. Who would think that that had any value hey, to us? Hey, who would think that a fish ladder would have any value? And yet there have been money invested in things like fish ladders. And there's, it, we're being having one built in Shimokan Dam right now. There is, is it finally being built? It's finally being built, See and they're, they're tearing up our streets and our park to do it, but they're... <laughs> and they'll fix your streets, and they'll fix your park. Boy, that's amazing, because I remember they were talking about this fish ladder going way, way Yeah, back. but originally the plan was for a nice fish ladder where people could come to the park and enjoy it and walk over a bridge. Then they decided they didn't have enough money for that, so now it's just a oh, basic... Oh, They decided they didn't have the money. You mean the government actually uh, uh, said we can we can cut back here? You know, They Joe, did cut back there. You ask the question. That's state uh, government, not the feds. Be that as it may. Here we go with those rhetorical uh, magic tricks of yours. What magic tricks? You a make me sound of, like Harry Houdini. Uh, several, like 20 minutes ago, you said something to the effect of, we have to establish what are our Priority. priorities. Right. Very good. And so we can, we can take the, the next question, which is, okay, in deciding what are our priorities, we got to decide what's good for our communities, because that's where things start. Uh, I think one of the things that's good for a community is home ownership. I, you know, well, I realize not everybody wants to live in in a home, but or in, they don't want to live in a house where they're making monthly payments. Uh, I think nothing strengthens a community like good, solid home ownership. And I also believe that nothing strengthens a community like education. You know, we had a, we had a uh, commissioner candidate here who said he didn't think senior citizens should uh, have to pay taxes for schools, which leads me to ask, how are we going to pay for education? Well, it looks like we have a caller. We and, do. And you're telling me we have to take we a break. To, we have to take a break. <laughs> But um, I'll, I'll tell you what, Eric, you hang on. We'll take the break, and we'll be back with more of On the Mark. 570-743-9565. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Text us at 70236, but be sure to put in OTM in the first line so that we can get your message. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranham with Steve Kushaloff. Lynn Hall's our producer. 570-743-9565 is our toll, for our toll line. Give us a call at that number. And Eric's been patiently waiting. Good morning, sir. You are on the mark, and you now have a clear road ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Just refreshing to hear someone named Joseph calling in who wasn't trying to choke me with his selected verses from the Bible. But, of course, that's not the reason I called. Um, priorities, gentlemen? Yeah, priorities is we get our our elected officials in Washington together, and uh, we get this debt limit uh, crisis squared away. Uh, I know there'll be some on the far right and on the far left who will be disagreeing with it, but I think we'll get it done. Uh, it's time for grandstandings over. We're at the, the brink. It seems we have to get to the brink, doesn't it, every time? Uh, let's get this done, and then let's move on. Let's look at our, look at our choices and so forth. Uh, to Steve, I would say, I, I think the, what, from what I know of it, the, uh, the agreement uh, is good. Uh, uh, the clawing back of unspent uh, COVID funds and so forth. Now, I would have liked to see, again, uh, a chance to uh, dig into some of the um, uh, over over uh, spending or over achieving people and have them spend a little more money, uh, get, getting money from them. I mean, uh, you know, increasing taxes. Uh, These golden parachutes I keep reading about, which are failures, right? That's what a golden parachute is. You get millions of dollars in stock options or whatever if you fail and are being fired. I think there should be, uh, you know, the target of a pretty high tax on that if, if you fail, uh, you know, uh, we dig into that. But uh, uh, I have a suggestion to also, I wasn't sure, Van or Van who called two, two people ago. And he, he made a very good point about the um, children youth workers in Northumberland County making around $30,000 a year. And I think that's fairly accurate. No, that was Harry. Um, that was Harry's call. That was Harry. Okay. Um, I think I have a, I have a, a good a good um, a good compromise as I try to do uh, as a a, a well thinking Democrat. Um, how, how do we how do we attract good people to this work, but still realize that they've invested in their education? If someone has a four year degree and some of them MSWs, which is a five or six year degree. Of course, you're going to have some debt there. Um, to expect them to work for $30,000 is crazy. I know when I was working for the Commonwealth, uh, the places we were recruiting people from was from the counties. You know, they would get a job at the county, get given experience, and then they'd come work for the state and make a, a livable wage. But how about this, gentlemen? Okay, so the person who is working for children and youth in Northumberland, let's say they make $30,000. Let's say they have $40,000 in debt. Uh, let's, let's give them a credit of five to $10,000 each year that they work for county government as forgiveness to their student loans. That gives them an increase of, you know, what, uh, you know, up to 33% in their salary. Uh, they get their debts paid off. They have more of a level wage because now uh, they don't have to pay, you know, off on their student debt. Um, but they, they've earned it. They've earned it. It's not just right. a giveaway. Okay, but what, what about the guy who has a degree in Bolivian art history? What do we what do we require from him? Um, well, my understanding is in a lot of jobs, if you have a degree at anything and then gain experience in that area, you can then, uh, at least with the Commonwealth, that was the truth. A combination of experience and the background, and those you have a four year education where you are able to write well, think independently, have computer skills but then have some experience in that area, you can then ascend to that job, which requires a four-year degree, if you have some experience. 
Okay. Well, that that's not entirely unworkable. Yeah. So and I think that's a win-win. Uh, again, the people are earning, earning, paying off their debt because they did sign on on the line. Now, I don't want to get into to things like what the, the predatory uh, happenings, which were happening to a lot of my youth down here in Port Treverton, who were who dangled these 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 carrots. Oh, we'll get to a degree, and with the colleges were basically nothing but fronts in. Uh, in uh, closed stores, and I'm not going to use a name, but I think we all know who we're talking about, some of these, quote, business schools, uh, recruiting these students who really had no chance of ever completing their degree, you know, having signed the student loans and then up in debt with, with no job, no degree, no nothing. And those are definitely predatory. Now, Eric, but, uh, yes, go ahead, Steve. You, you mentioned uh, this uh, idea of issuing people a, a credit uh, to help them uh, pay off their uh, college loans. Who is going to who who is supporting who is financially backing that that credit? What I'm saying, Steve, is if 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 the current administration is saying just forgiveness, let let's let's come to the middle and say, okay, yeah, they'll be, but you earn it, you earn it. Uh, if if so, lately, let's say you have a degree in Bolivian art, okay, uh, and you don't have other experience, you can still work as Vista. You can be a volunteer in service to America. Oh, right. I, okay, so you're saying uh, you you take on added responsibilities doing community service type right okay well in the case of actually children and youth folks you're actually working for the county and you're paying x by the county at the same time you're getting x taken off your student loans because you are doing a job which is in service to the community in an underserved area well let me ask you a question then in regard to that the one of the proposals the republicans put forward is that before you get some kind of welfare benefits from the federal government you have to do some kind of work for the federal government you favor that or opposed to it there are so many regulations because i worked for Pennsylvania medicaid and there's so many things involved in that uh so what people don't understand is the average person, the average male out there who, who is working eligible and is not caring for a child, is not disabled, doesn't get these benefits. Those loopholes were closed a long time ago. Now, there was some opening of them during, during COVID, as I understand, and we're closing those now. Okay. What, what a lot of people are getting is Medicaid. Okay. okay. Because that relieves our hospitals, right? Because we don't turn people out in the street to die. If you, you go up to Geisinger and you don't have any insurance, you don't, you're not left in the street to, to, to cough your lungs out. You're given treatment. And of course, then Geisinger then has, if there's no insurance, eventually can turn that over for okay. relief. So yeah, we, we get people sign up for Medicaid, which is expensive. All, right, All we'll let you, we'll let you have the final. The average thought is that someone sitting out there getting getting anything much more than basic subsistence or getting a monthly anything. Eric, we got we got to mo- Eric, we got to move on. We'll give you the final word. Go ahead, sir. Okay, so I think there's a workable situation here. Right. Let's let's uh, we'll forgive some people their loans, but they have to work for it in some sort of service to underserved people. Fair enough. There's my proposal. Thank you very much, Eric. Appreciate Thank your you call, as always. All right, 570-743-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Text us at 70236. The lines are open. Give us a call right now. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, Me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. 
more than quality new and used cars. Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. Mm. out of auto repair. All right, I'll have to say it slowly, Steve, so you Please, can understand, so understand it. <laughs> Lance, you're on the mark. Good morning. Yeah, I've been trying to get through here, but I didn't have any reception where I was. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's, that's the way it is. And um, anyway, is Steve uh, showing up for Muggies on Saturday? We'll see, Lance. Sometimes uh, those meetings can leave you feeling more uh, frustrated than when you walked in. I would like to because they they there's some they're very interesting. Well, let's let's get on to the topic okay, of our right, program, here. okay? Here, here is the deal with the government help, okay? The government says you know we all need uh, good, reasonably priced. Food, right? So they do this by paying farmers not to grow. People around here, I'd say there's at least 450 acres I know that those farmers are getting paid more money than they ever could if they were growing the crop. And uh, it's just the uh, way they are. Uh, $25 million is going to go towards propagating a herd of bovines, you know, so that they can. Put out greenhouse gases, I guess. And you think we could cut there somewhere? Because it's going to have two bad things at once. Well, you yeah. have to you have to realize, though, Lance, that I think what their goal was is to support the family farm, which is one of the things that made this country great. You know, I don't think we all all want all corporate farms that are so big that they don't respond to the communities. Well, the only thing is, these people have been just as happy growing crop. Right? Well, yeah, but they, if they grow it and there's no market for it, what do they do? They've lost money. They go bankrupt. The federal government, I thought, now I don't know whether it's actually worked this way, but the theory was that they would support them not growing things, that if they did grow them, the market would be glutted and they wouldn't make any money on it. So we were repaying them for the money they would have gotten if they grew their crop and actually been able to sell it. The only problem with that is that the soybeans and the corn are the highest in history. I mean, it isn't like there's a a, a glut or anything like that. Well. That's what everybody was saying. They can understand, you know, if corn was, you know, two or three dollars a bushel, but when it's pushing hard for eight, and the beans are pushing hard for sixteen, why? Hey, man. Well, you've obviously well, been watching the farm was, news. I mean, I'm talking about farmers that just signed up for all this. This is what they told me. Okay. Well, so, I'm, well, it sounds like Mr. McGranahan is, uh, or somebody had anyway, maybe not Joe. Uh, they're saying, the heck with it. And maybe you, Lance, are you saying we should just let market forces uh, govern um, govern agriculture completely? Grow what you no, want, not, even if you're not, not going to be able to make money at it. 
all I'm saying is this is a stupid time to do it. Well, that, that you can make that same argument, transpose that to the college discussion. Should we allow students to borrow money for a, uh, for a field in which they are not likely to be able to recover the amount of money to pay their debts? Well, there are people, uh, I think, like Enterprise Car Rental is one of them. Um, they don't hire anybody that doesn't have a college degree, and it doesn't matter what it's in. Okay. It's because hmm. they figure that these people can learn things, how to do stuff right. I often wondered that because uh, with railroad, you know, they used Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And when somebody would show up for the car, you know, you always thought, well, it'd be some kid with a backwards ball cap and a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. And here is this very fluid in anything you ever talk to the person about. And they handle the car real well. And it's, uh, I always wondered about that. And then I figured it out. Uh, boy told me that, that you had to have a degree before <laughs> Okay. Well, it's like, uh, you know, getting back to your statement, Lance. I mean, Joe, you yourself said, regardless of what it was you had studied in college, it, it, teaches, you, it teaches you how to think. It teaches you to yeah. make decisions. Um, you know, high school is all well and good. You're living there with your, under your parents' roof. You go on to college. In many cases, you're going to live on campus, on your own making decisions, running into situations that you never foresaw. Uh, College, you know, we keep coming back to this insane thing about uh, the kids who are studying things that they won't be able to get a job in, as if that's the only reason to go to college. Now, Lance has uh, given us a very good example of how college makes a difference. Okay, Lance, we'll let you finish up. Go ahead. Well, uh, what I would like to... uh, (laughs) say is that government help doesn't didn't really help the housing industry. That's why houses cost too much. Well, the government help in the uh, education department is why college costs so much. Okay. Because I can look and show you before the great society, we were doing really good. Okay. I mean, I could I'll build a house for two years, uh, median income. You could uh, buy a car for was it six months? And it just uh, you know, went on from there. Okay. College education. When I was uh, college age, Bucknell was twenty two hundred bucks. Now it's fifty eight thousand. Well, that's a big difference. Hey, Lance, thanks for your call. We appreciate it. I always remember what Ronald Reagan said: "The scariest words in the English language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help.'" Yeah, I know, Joe. <laughs> uh, speaking about government, uh, you know, I bought my first home with a loan from the farmers. Home Administration. The FHA, right. Well, I th- we always call it FMHA. Be that as it may. Okay, so I bought my home with, a, with a, a, you know, some government help. The government didn't give me the house, but they helped me pay for it. Uh, I later sold that property and was able to move into something, uh, in my opinion, something better. So in that one example, um, I think uh, government involvement did not uh, certainly didn't uh, make the housing situation worse another thing with talking about college helping people pay for college how many businesses out there if an employee uh, begins taking college courses pursuing a college degree the business will help them 
will help them pay for it, right? Some places, yes. Yes. Okay. How is the business? How do you think the business is recovering that money? You don't. Well, think I'll putting- tell you how they how you typically do it because I did it when I paid for training for people. Okay. If you stay a certain number of years after you get the training, you don't have to pay it back. But if you leave us within a pre-specified amount of time, you have to pay back twenty percent, thirty percent, forty percent, or right. If we get the training and quit tomorrow, you pay us all back. And so that's how we get the money back, Steve. Isn't the business claiming that as a business expense, though? What do you mean as a business well, expense? Well, when you when you give one of your employees ten thousand uh, dollars, is that the a training is not considered a tax deductible or a taxable item? No? It is a tax deduction. But it is help nonetheless. Hey, that's all the time we got today. Steve Kushloff, thanks for being with us. Lynn Hall, thanks for producing. I'm Joe McGranahan. Mark Lawrence will still be off tomorrow. We'll see you then with Carrie Albright in the cap or in the uh, assistant seat. WKOK Sunbury.